For the last 20, 50 years or so, scientists have said uh, things like nuclear power will make electricity too cheap uh, to meter, and then turns out not to be true. And then they've said things like, you know, all these chemicals will solve all your problems and not give you any new problems. And uh, there's an example of thalidomide and so on. And so now along come biologists and say, look, this is the most benign, uh, wonderful new technology that's been invented for agriculture in the last hundred years, and nobody believes this. But it, that doesn't mean to say uh, that what we're saying isn't true, because it is true. Susceptible. But now that they started to flower, they uh, became resistant. Jonathan is examining wild species which may have particular qualities that could be very useful. I think we should think about what's in our enlightened self-interest. And certainly I would define my self-interest as retaining as much species diversity out there as, as possible. Uh, I would not regard it as in my self-interest to cut down so many rainforests in, uh, in, in, in Africa or uh, Indonesia that the great apes become extinct in the wild. It's very different to Definitely anthropocentric, but, um, but biology also brings its own brand of biocentric thought. People who aren't in biology can't conceive of how, um, how, how we practicing biologists conceive of the word uh, life, you know, what it means. And uh, so people who don't share that uh, find what we do unsettling, I think. In biology, humans are just one species among many. That all forms of life are basically uh, have, they're, they're the same, at least they have a common evolutionary origin, whether it's bacteria or yeast or plants or worms or flies or us. And uh, you can see the same mechanisms at work in all of these, these different organisms. And so that's why for me it's no big deal to get, say, uh, to contemplate getting a gene for, for antifreeze properties out of a, an arctic fish and putting it in tomato to try and uh, reduce frost damage. I mean, it's, it's just a protein that does a job. The scientists' work is about controlling disease. Jonathan's colleague Janina is inoculating these leaves with a deadly infection called potato blight, the disease that started the Irish potato famine. We're looking for resistance genes in potato, different potato species and we figure if we can clone the genes that confer disease resistance and get them into cultivated potato and manage them according to some ideas we have to provide durable resistance, then uh, this would dramatically reduce the need to, to apply uh, fungicides to control this disease. The leaves come from the wild relatives of the modern potato. If they are able to withstand the disease, they could contain a gene for resistance. This species is resistant, while this one isn't. But why don't we just eat the wild varieties? Well, wild potatoes are poisonous. They contain a lot of uh, glycoalkaloids and other compounds, which mean that if you eat them, they'll make you very ill indeed. Over thousands of years, human beings have changed crops to make them safer to eat. They did it by selecting pollen from certain plants to cross-fertilize others. This supports an interpretation of nature as a threat to mankind. From his perspective, it can't be assumed that what we call natural is necessarily safe. He does show that we have bred potatoes to be edible, and so 
genetically modifying potatoes to make them resistant to disease might be seen only as a, a slight variation on what's been done in the past.